Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovee here, joined as always by Sal Capaccio. Sal, we're just chugging along here, the offseason, every single day. It feels like the Bills make another move, and we're getting closer and closer to the draft. This is really when it starts to get fun. All right, so first of all, is it, have the Bills made more or less signings than times you've been thrown up on. I want to know that. That's what I want. Oh, no more. I haven't really been thrown up on. Okay, good. good. I've other things have happened on me, uh, but not throw up. So at least I've got that going for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's good thing. How are you sleeping? Eh, You know, it's we're, we're trying to rotate. It's, it's tough. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like it's not tough. It it is certainly tough. It it is what I expected though. Like, this is what a lot of people have told me, but it's funny. I feel like every time I was exhausted pre being a parent is now like, like that's not even in the ballpark of what it is right now. My exhaustion levels now are completely different than it was even a week and a half ago. I was like, man, what I wouldn't do to get only six hours of sleep or five and a half hours of sleep. So you just have to kind of sleep when you can, but it's scary because when you do fall asleep, then I'm worried something's going to happen to her. So yeah. it's like, it, it never ends. I, my mom told me like, welcome to the rest of your life. Basically, exactly you're never going to, you're never going to stop worrying. Someone said the exact same thing to me one time. I'm like, I just want to get to a point where, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's good. I can go to sleep. They're like, nope, that's never going to happen. Like, just doesn't matter. Like your whole life, you're always going to be worried about that and checking in and it's all good. That's what love is all about. Speaking of what you said though, to start off with, you know, kind of everything happening. It is funny to me, like in our business, people always say and ask me, are you more busy like this time of year or less busy? Or actually, usually they'll say, oh, at least you have some time off. And what I say is we're actually kind of like doctors on call this time of year. You yeah. never know when something's going to happen, right? And we're not putting ourselves on the level of doctors, but you get the point. Like you just have to spring to action when something happens. Like we could just be sitting here and boom, they signed Damian Harris and you got to go to a Zoom call, right? That could happen. Boom. Somebody gets released. Boom. Somebody gets traded. That can happen at any point. We don't know. Whereas in the season, Matt. It's so much more structured. We know exactly what our Monday through Sunday basically looks like. And I know they don't play every Sunday, but even when they play on different days, we know what those days are going to, and weeks are going to look like. Keeps you on your toes a little bit. And actually this is the first time I, they, these are not earth shattering moves. 
we're tied to our phones way more than we should yeah. be. You know, we're always waiting to see what's going to happen when these moves are going to make. We've got the, you know, notifications on from every single person who covers the NFL. As you'd imagine, I've been pretty busy the last couple of weeks. So I missed the Sherfield news by like an hour, like wasn't paying attention, looking at my phone at all. Now it's not like that was an Odell Beckham signing where I needed to, you know, jump into action. Same thing with the Damian Harris signing. Phones in the pocket, not paying any attention. And then all of a sudden it starts going off. So yeah, it it does certainly keep you on your toes. It's been nice to not have to immediately jump into action because normally it would be like, okay, got to get that to the website. We got to make sure we get that confirmed. We got to get video of this person. We got to get this on TV. Now it's like somebody else is doing that back at the station. I'll just talk to Sal about it whenever we decide we want to chat. What were you doing? Do you remember when the Bills allegedly traded for Antonio Brown? It happened yeah, overnight. Was, yeah, no, I was sitting at my desk at Channel 7, and the producer of the show basically like yelled, I think it was at 10 o'clock-ish, the first reports came out, and he basically like screamed across the room and was like, the Bills are trading for Antonio Brown. And I said, what? And then you immediately start to dive down to the rabbit hole. So I think that night, you know, until you have something confirmed, you were reporting it as a report. So I think that night I went on to TV and I was like, you know, according to NFL network, the bills have their new wide receiver. You went on on TV and you said, you said this, you gave the report because it was reported by obviously legitimate source, but you did say this. I think so. Yeah. Cause I think it happened before the 11 o'clock news. Like I think think it all, I, I, because I think because because Brian Koziel was doing the Sabres post game, mm-hmm. and so I, I never ever turn my ringer off at night. I don't turn mm-hmm. my phone off for reasons that I need to be contacted if something happens. Yeah, it just so happened I went to bed early that night and my phone was on silent. It was just the the luck of the draw because I didn't know anything till the next morning. By then it was already like it's not happening. So I never actually. Mm-hmm reported it or was on top of the story. It kind of like, yeah, I'm glad that I kind of didn't go through that. Anyway, I think it did happen because at that point on my phone was a message from Brian Colzio says, do you want to hop on here? And it was like 11 something. And he was on the Sabres post game or maybe a little before 11. Yeah. So I think I remember, I think I remember getting it into the 11 o'clock news. And of course that was the biggest story by far. And I don't exactly remember what I would have said, but it would have been something along the lines of it appears the bills have their new star wide receiver, Antonio Brown, according to NFL network, blah, blah, blah. But I do remember the producers asking if I could leave something for the morning show. Cause you know, if I'm working until midnight, I'm not staying until five o'clock in the morning. So they were like, Hey, could you record something about the significance of this move and what it would mean for the bills? And I remember saying, no, because there was so much uncertainty by the time the 11 o'clock news was done. Like I remember going on the 11 o'clock news and then all of a sudden people starting to refute the report. And I was like, listen, just let the anchors take care of it. However they need to. And we'll see where this goes. But I I don't, I didn't sleep that night. Like I remember getting home and just like, you know, working the phones and texting people until two or three in the morning and then waking up and still the uncertainty continued because it didn't feel like, the flames were completely put out until that next morning. Cause I think didn't Antonio Brown like refute it almost immediately. I don't remember for sure. But anyway, the point I asked you about not to go too far down the rabbit hole was because of this, like it could happen at any point and then you have to kind of spring to action and the differences. And I know that I figured you were probably like on top of it and something like that happened. Whereas 
literally I was sleeping and I don't say that with any pride. Like I try not to ever do that, but I just happened to go to bed early that night. My phone was on silent. I never even knew about it until the next morning, which is weird. And I'm thankful for it, but that's how this business works. Sometimes like you're right there, you're on it. That happens. And you had to spring to action. Then you had to make a bunch of decisions at mm-hmm. your job as far as how to treat it. Yeah. Is that, what's the, is that the biggest piece of news you've missed or slept on or not been around for that you can remember? Um, yeah, I would say though, I would tell you this though. Um, I was flying on a plane to Europe when the Sabres played the Canes in game six and I was not around for the overtime goal and I did not know what happened until we landed. Wow. Okay. And then at that point, so that's 2006 mm-hmm. at that point, did you have to like call somebody to check in, see what happened? Cause you yes. probably weren't just like going on your phone and checking on the internet landed in Europe, went to some sort of phone. If I remember pay phone, whatever called a friend of mine or maybe my phone even, or something like that. I called something where I remember there was my friend had left me a message and I was able to retrieve it. And he said, uh, over time, they're going to game seven. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes, that was it. How about you? This isn't about me, but what you just said sparked an insane story in my head. So I'm going to share it now. I don't know all of the details of the story, so I want to make that clear. But my father was traveling for business when Music City Miracle happened, but watched the Bills take the lead with the kick and then boarded the plane thinking they won. So when he got home... My mom was like, how you doing? I can't believe it. And he was like, what? He's like, what are you talking about? He did not know that they lost. Wow. And how would you, and like, and there wouldn't really been a way to know. I guess you get back home, you turn on the radio and listen, but I don't know. I mean, that would be, you'd have to. Well, that's what I'm, because maybe that's when he found, this is like one of those stories that like has been explained to me, but, but isn't that nuts? It is. It is absolutely nuts. So like, I think I think because it was a flight. I don't remember if it was a flight to Buffalo or if it was the first leg of a flight. So it wasn't like everybody was huddled around the TV watching it and everybody was going back to Buffalo. I think that's what it was. I think he was flying like Chicago to somewhere, somewhere to Buffalo. So I think he watched them take the lead in the terminal, boarded the flight immediately and then it's not like when he landed at the layover spot, he could just go on his smartphone and figure something out or, you know, call somebody to check because they won the game. And then he didn't find out until he got back home. Yeah. Th- your point about like our phones and how everything has changed, right? The world has changed. The speed of information has changed for sure. Interesting story there. And by the way, how about that for a first segment? I mean, we'll just kind of roll it into the next segment and talk about the Buffalo Bills newest acquisition, who we were both here for, and that is Trent Sherfield. They have made a couple, actually. Damien Harris will talk about him, but let's talk about Trent Sherfield. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Matt. So the Bills signed Trent Sherfield, wide receiver. No, it's not Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. We weren't sleeping through it as I was. <laughs> but this is an interesting player because yeah. he kind of checks some boxes I think the Bills were looking for. Now, we talked about Deontay Hardy and what he checked and the guy dynamic with the ball in his hands and things like that. Now, we do remember Trent Sherfield catching the pass against the Niners last year and running all the way for the touchdown of the first play of the game. He can do that. But really, what he offers is he is a, a physical kind of receiver. He's a very good blocker actually, but he is actually fast as well. And he's not small. He's six, one about two twenty. This is a guy that can do a lot of different things, including by the way, playing special teams. I know, I know bills fans. Here we go again with the special teams, but what he really is, is basically Jake Kumaro with a lot more upside on offense. I feel like I like the Sherfield move more than I like the Hardy move. Now, maybe that's just because I know the numbers of the Hardy move and there's still the uncertainty about what they had to pay Sherfield. And, and we won't know that probably for a little bit because the numbers aren't out there yet. But I like him as a player. Like I remember because we're familiar with Miami. You watch. I was watching a lot of Dolphins games down the stretch to see what was going to happen. And he was a player who always stood out to me. So I like that addition for them. This is not going to be the difference between them, you know, Winning a Super Bowl, but it's all of these pieces. And I apologize if you hear my cockapoo in the background. Barking. It's all good. This is now life. There's the cockapoo. There's the baby. This is just what happens. So yeah, no, I I really like the Sherfield move. Like I think that's a smart move for a team that's up against the cap to make because I think it makes you better. I don't think it's a game changer or anything, but I think it makes you better. And they needed more weapons on offense, and that's what this is. Has the dog? How has the dog reacted <laughs> to the baby? The dog has been fantastic with the baby. As you see my wife shuffle behind me right now, holding the baby in one hand, the dog has been great. The dog's been very protective of the baby. So they've got like a little uh, alliance now, the baby and the dog. I love it. I love it. Um, Look, Trent Sherfield literally like can block like a tight end. Now he's not going to put his hand in the dirt. He's not going to line up at a three point stance, but he can block like a tight end. He's actually graded out as a very, very good blocker. This is one area I think the bills would like to use him. But maybe, Matt, also, this is something I was thinking about. Gabe Davis played a ton when he was healthy and playing. He's on the field for like 95% of the snaps. He never comes off the field. Why is that? Because he's a really good blocker. They don't want Gabe Davis coming off the field. And I think maybe the philosophy here is maybe they put too much on Gabe Davis. Maybe free him up a little bit to be able to catch more passes and really truly, you know, immerse himself in that number two wide receiver role. Enter. Trent Sherfield, where you can put him on the field more to be more of that blocker and allow Gabe to kind of flourish more as that number two wide receiver. I think this signing actually elevates and helps Gabe Davis as a wide receiver and what he can do even more than just helping the entire offense, because it will allow Gabe Davis not to have to always be that one blocker. They have to rely on from the wide receiver spot. Well, I think it also protects them because there were times last year when they were so banged up at wide receiver besides Stefan Diggs that they didn't have a lot of other options. I think now that you've got Hardy, now that you've got Sherfield, and I still think that there should be more coming, you're going to have other options that aren't, you know, Jake Kumaro missed most of last year. 
Crowder missed most of last year. There's a reason they had to go sign Cole Beasley and John Brown off the street to go get them to play because they needed bodies. So these are guys who are steps up from what those players were, at least at this point in their careers. So, and, and I like that they're taking swings and this is about Harris. This is about Sherfield. This is about Hardy I, and McGovern. Really? I like that. They're signing young guys with upside young guys with potential. These are not like, okay, let's take one last kick at the can. This is like, we think you have even more that you've shown and we're going to give you an opportunity to prove that. And and I like that for this team. What, is it, what do the bills always say? You'll be the best version of yourself here in Buffalo, right? But I think that's what they're banking on to have these guys be the best version of themselves. You brought it up. It is uh, Damian Harris, the running back. He comes from new England after four years there with the Patriots. He signs with the bills. Bills fans may remember him from the 64 yard run in the hurricane game. If you want to call mm-hmm. it that Monday night football against the Bills. So he has that breakaway speed, but really more than anything, He's a physical style running back. Brandon Bean said they wanted to get bigger at the position. He didn't use that word specifically, if I remember right, but he did mention that both of their running backs were around 200 pounds. They'd have like to have a different type of running back. Well, he is now he's 5'11", 215. He's not super big, but he does run with a physical style that I think they've been wanting and looking for and searching for, even going back to when they drafted Zach Moss. I think Harris is my favorite move they've made this offseason. Okay. Even though it's a pretty minuscule one, I really like the player. I know the big thing with Damian Harris is can he stay healthy because he's been banged up at times in his career. I think it's all upside though. Like I think they needed somebody who can be that complimentary running back, but I almost don't see him as a compliment. I think he could come in here and absolutely win the job as their starting running back. I think he's efficient in the red zone, which matters to them. He's a capable goal line running back, which takes work from Josh Allen, takes unnecessary punishment off of his plate. And I just think that given the Bills offense, he'll be able to thrive because he won't have to do as much. Like when he was in New England, they were a run first offense with him and then eventually with him and Ramondre Stevenson. So I've just always liked the player. Every time I watched him play, especially against the bills, it was like, this guy poses a problem. This guy's really good. And now the bills have somebody like that. And it also, I like it because I think it takes away some of the options that I didn't find very intriguing. Like I never loved the idea of a first round running back. I love, never loved the idea of going to trade for Derek Henry or spending off the big, table first round running back. I don't think it's off the table, but I think it's, I think, I think it's less likely. Mm -hmm. Like I would have said before, Hey, there's a 40% chance that they do it. 30% chance that they do it. Now I think it's 15 to 20%. If they love B. John Robinson, then they'll still do it. Mm -hmm. But I just think that it makes this a little bit less likely. And it's, we haven't seen the numbers yet. I don't think this is going to be something that breaks the bank. And I think that it's, I like Devin Singletary, but I think this is something that fits their offense better than what Devin Singletary would have done. So let's talk about Devin Singletary. He is now moved on. He has moved on to the Houston Texans, a one-year deal with the Houston Texans. Doesn't mean he can never play for the Buffalo Bills again, but let's talk about the postscript on his Bills career and then how it does impact them, him on the field. Four years, came in 2019, third round pick out of FAU, fun player in college to watch, very you know, elusive. I think he had a lot of those moments in the NFL. I think he was a bit underrated for, from bills fans, from many bills fans. I think, you know, not all of them, of course, um, and maybe should deserve a little more credit for the work he's put in through the four years. He was here. I think he was leading rusher every year. I could be wrong about that. Um, but you know, Matt, he exits Buffalo number 10 in their all-time rushing list after only four years. I think that says a lot about him over 3,100 yards, rushing 4.7 yards of carry. 
Now, he wasn't going to give you a lot in the passing game. There were fumbles, of course. People point to those. There were some drops. But I think Devin Singletary was a good player for the Bills the last four years and someone that was very important for them. Let me ask you this. I was thinking about this when I saw that Devin Singletary was leaving and ultimately signing to Houston. What is your most notable Singletary memory? Is there a game or a run that he had that you think of when you think of Devin Singletary? Hmm. I have a couple plays that I think I, of. I might go to the Dallas catch from that's, John Brown. That's what I, that's one of the plays that I was thinking of. Right. John Brown threw it. Right. I believe. Yep. John Brown to Singletary wide open into the end zone. And then that I was, think that was actually the play after the Josh Allen quarterback oh. sneak fumble. That was like fourth and one that took him yeah. to the two minute warning. And then that was the next play after the two minute warning. That's awesome. Um, the other two would be actually something he's not known for a lot. Um, long runs, Miami second mm-hmm. play of the game. I believe second play yep. of offense. He runs to the house, gets caught at the very end, but because he doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he was in, in the end zone. And then he did the same thing in Chicago this year on a long run against the bears. He also had another one against the Denver Broncos. I think a 50 yard run. So that I was the game. Know, those are the, that ones. was, that was the game when they clinched the AFC East. Yep. It was, um, the COVID year. So, you know, yep. and, and it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the game. division at that point. It was a Saturday four thirty game, but yeah. And that, that run re- made it like 45 to 52 or something for the bills. Like they didn't need it, but it was just kind of gravy. I think about actually, I think about the clinching run against the dolphins from oh. not that long ago where it was lots like of, lots of people third and push it. six, yeah. third and seven, and he pushes his way and he gets it. Uh, I also have thought about the Patriots game, the wild card game, you know, the perfect offensive game. He was awesome in that game. Now he was like the fifth best player in the game because so many people were great, but in the first half, he had two really big rushing touchdowns that buried the Patriots before they ever had a chance of getting back into it. He was, that's when I think he played his best football. He played his best football in 2019 at the end of that season when it was him and Frank Gore and then again in 2021 going into the playoffs and then ultimately in the playoffs that was like peak Devin Singletary so he is in Buffalo for four years I was looking at the numbers today I tweeted them out actually 3,100 yards Josh Allen next on that list over the four-year time period like 2,400 yards no other player had over a thousand yards Zach Moss Mm -hmm. is next with like 900 something it just shows you how much they really relied on Devin Singletary. You know, we don't talk about a lead back in Buffalo a lot because, you know, they rotate their running backs. They have a timeshare. They don't give them the ball a ton. But, Matt, Devin Singletary was the lead back in the Bills' offense the last three years. Yeah, nobody would ever really – well, some people would say it, but no, they. it was no questions asked. If they needed a big play yep. from their running back, Devin Singletary was going to be the guy that they trusted with that. That's the thing that's a little bit interesting about this team moving forward. Like, who is that now? Like if you had to have, you know, production from your running back, are you leaning on James cook? Do you feel comfortable enough with James cook yet? Or is so, it Damian Harris or is that remain to be seen remains to be seen? I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's a great, this is a really interesting question because I'm, I'm sold on them being sold that basically James cook, it becomes the lead running back. See on paper, it's Singletary out Harris in on the roster. I think it's Singletary out. James cook in and then Damian Harris becomes the backup and the compliment. Like, I don't think it's not the role for role. Obviously I do think that James cook is going to be the quote unquote lead back. He's going to replace almost exactly what Devin Singletary was on this team. And then they're going to 
to have him come, come out in certain situations, shorter yardage, goal line, whatever. And then here and there too, he's also not the biggest guy. So you don't want him taking a lot of punishment going between the tackles. That's where Damien Harris comes in, but I am convinced now. I don't know. That's a great question. Can he be trusted to be that guy? I think that's the plan though. It seems to me like it is. I'm not sure if I'm convinced of that yet. I'm not sure if I'm sold that James cook will be RB one for the bills. I bet he'll have more touches than Damian Harris has, but I don't know if he'll be more productive than Damian Harris will be. I guess that we'll, we'll find out. I, I like the idea of at running back, having somebody young who you drafted with a premium pick, you know, James cook was a second round pick. Clearly they like him. I like Naheem Hines skill set. I think there is a role for him in this offense and there should be a bigger role going into next year. And then I, like I mentioned, I like the Damian Harris just, pickup because I like him as a player. I could just see a situation where if Damian Harris plays to the plays to his potential, what we saw when he was with the Patriots, especially playing against the bills. I don't know how that guy isn't getting more carries than James cook. Maybe, maybe cook is just scratching the surface. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I I just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be so fast to say, like if this was a fantasy football situation, I'm not touching either of them because I have no idea who's going to get the bigger workload. Well, they have three running backs on the roster now. Um, Taiwan Jones is still unsigned. He is technically a running back, obviously, but we'll see if they bring him back. But they do have Reggie Gilliam. He's a fullback. So there is room to add. They're going to bring more to camp. We know that. They always do. Speaking of bringing to camp, they're going to bring a bunch of offensive linemen and David Questenberry uh, mm-hmm. re-signed with the team as well. Just your quick thoughts on Questenberry re-upping a swing tackle here for the Bills who both started at both left tackle and right tackle at different times last year. Depends on the money, but... Is a depth veteran presence for them that can do a little bit of everything for those guys who aren't going to start versatility, I think is probably their most important attribute and he's yep. versatile. He can do the swing tackle stuff. He can play left. He can play right. You don't want him doing that. You know, like there were times when he was really getting taken advantage of, especially at left tackle, but you know, for a backup, I think totally fine, totally capable. Whether it's him or someone else, you're going to have someone just like him, Right. I mean, so I always say, that's what I mean. Your guy, right? When I have your guy that, you know, in the system that he's been here and you can trust. All right. What does this mean though, going forward for the rest of the bills roster? All right, Matt. So now the bills are up to 63 players. And as I remind people on way to go, as I remind people all the time, they bring 90 to camp. Now there is a long way to go, but let's remember they're scheduled for six draft picks. Okay. That'll bring you to a nice number of 69. And then After that, they usually have about nine undrafted free agents or so. All right. So that would take you to about 78. There's a room for about 10 to 12 more free agents to add, but the spots are filling up quickly. So where do they still have to do some work? I find it super interesting. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. If you take a look at all the players they brought into the organization from the outside, this free agent period, and then, and just kind of took a, took stock in all of them to get, I'm not talking about guys. They resigned just guys. They brought in from the outside, Matt, every single one of them plays offense. Not one player plays defense. Is this an effort to plug holes in free agency and offense steer towards the draft and steer towards the defense and draft? Maybe, but I think that there needed to be more work done to the offense moving forward. And I hope that this doesn't mean that they're going all in on their defense in the draft. I still think that you should be using your first round pick, your second round pick, your third round pick. It doesn't have to be all of them, but I think two of the three should be on offensive side, like offensive players. I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world, 
but I would have no issues with them drafting offensive linemen early because I feel like that's a space that they've kind of ignored for a little while. Like, yeah, you spent a third round pick on Spencer Brown a couple of years ago, but Mitch Morris was a free agent. Deion Dawkins was a second round pick, but that was a while ago. So that, I don't even think Deion Dawkins was a branded bean pick. That was a Doug Whaley pick, right? That was Correct. 2017. Correct. So, I mean, the track record for being with offensive linemen is a little strange because like Cody Ford, that didn't work out, but Wyatt Teller did, but then they traded him. So that's a weird one. Um, Spencer Brown, I think still too early. Jack Anderson was signed off of their practice squad by another team. Um, Tommy Doyle. We don't know how that one's going to play out yet after his ACL injury last year. So this team hasn't had a ton of success drafting offensive linemen, at least recently. So that's why I think like it's a really important position. You need to keep your players protected, especially Josh Allen. Now that he's getting paid almost double of what he made last year. And I love still the idea of wide receiver early in the first round or in the second round. So to me, I very much see your point, but I think this next wave of free agents, even though they don't have a lot of money left, should just be finding veteran guys who they can plug into those holes as backups for, you know, you need another safety because you don't know exactly what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. Go find somebody like Jaquan Johnson who you can just put on your team for a pretty cheap contract. You need somebody who's going to be another, your fifth cornerback. Go find somebody who's done it before and just basically have them there. I still believe tight end could very well be in play as well, by the way. I think mm-hmm. tight end, you know, there's some good tight ends at the top of the draft. Brandon Bean was on Eric Woods podcast right before the combine. And he mentioned like wanting to add to the tight end group and be more versatile there. And they haven't done that. So when's that coming? Like to me, that could very well be play in play in the draft. And look what they've done over the last few years by bringing in OJ Howard, bringing in Jacob Hollister, bringing in Tyler Croft. They were very interested in drafting TJ Hawkinson who went one pick before Ed Oliver. So I think maybe tight end could be a spot where they look, but then I look and say, what does it look like at middle linebacker? We talked last episode about the internal competition there between Dodson and Bernard inspector. Is there someone is Jack Campbell available? Is there a linebacker they go with early on in the draft, a sneaky play? This is not sexy. I don't want anybody to get mad at me, but I'm just going to bring it up. I'm starting to think defensive tackle could come into play, Matt. I know. They have three players going into their final year of their contract. Okay. One of them Ed Oliver has not done enough to deserve a extension. I don't think they want to do that. And I don't, I mean, a year from now, are you confident Ed Oliver's on the team? I'm not a year from now. Right. Then you have Tim Settle, who was a bit underwhelming and got one year left. And then you have Daquan Jones who got one year left, who was very good. But when he was out, Oh my God, you had a lot of work to do. So what does that tell me? Maybe just maybe defensive tackle comes into play here. I don't disagree with you. And I do think that there's some chance that they use, you know, a day one or a day two pick on a defensive tackle. But if it were me, I would use that early round pick on somebody offensively. And I would say, Hey, Jordan Phillips, what do you want for a year to come back and just kind of round out the group, round, round out the group. Probably is not going to cost you a ton of money. Maybe you go and find somebody else who's, you know, somebody who you can plug and play for a while. I mean, didn't Ryan Talbot put out there Puna Ford was somebody that they were potentially interested in or that they had interest in. So shout out Talbot from New York upstate. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's a need, but I don't think it's their biggest need. 
It's also not just for the draft. It could be free agency too. I think that there are spots here. Like you said, I think Jordan Phillips is a great name to bring up, like bring him back. I think that'd be a nice signing for them. Probably does not going to command a lot in the open market, especially after the injuries he had last year. So that could be something they do. Shaq Lawson on the defensive line is another area where he is still a free agent. He's unsigned. Maybe that's somebody they bring back, but there is some work to do. I think it's interesting though. All five players they've signed in this free agency period have been on offense. Now they did sign Zane Anderson, a safety when the season ended, he was off the Kansas city practice squad, but not counting him right now. All right. You had some questions that people tweeted you when you asked to give us some questions here on the uh, podcast as we're going to about to record. All right. This one's from bill favorite Western New York foods. Sal. Oh, come on. Pizza and wings, right? By the way. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm not getting to a blue cheese uh, ranch debate. Are you a blue cheese guy though? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I, but I also like ranch. Like I, okay, I wouldn't get I wouldn't get ranch with wings, but I like ranch. I won't dip my wings in ranch. But the reason I'm asking you is, so you grew up here in Buffalo. You have yep. pizza and wings, and you dip your wings in blue cheese. Well, because of that, I acquired a taste for pizza and blue cheese. So I dip my oh, pizza yeah. in blue cheese as well. Is that normal? You do that. Um, I think in Buffalo, that's normal. Okay. I know a lot of people that do that. Yep. My my wife actually her first meal out of the hospital, she wanted pizza. She was like craving oh, pizza oh, and every thing. time like the pregnancy became like harder and the pain became more, you know, insufferable. She would be like, this adds another pizza. This adds another pizza. So by the time, you know, we had the baby, she was up to like 70 pizzas. So we got one when she got out, but I think I still owe her like 70 more or something for everything that she went through. But yeah, no pizza and wings is a good answer, but you know, don't sleep on the Italian food here. There oh, are some, I, agree. Um, I mean, obviously you've got Capaccio here and yeah. I'm Italian too. So like, you know, we pride ourselves on good Italian food. There's so many good options in Western New York for sure. And, um, so what do you say? Buffalo foods? Oh, I have to go pizza and wings and the traditional Buffalo foods, but I agree. Lots of great Italian restaurants. Hmm. All right. Here's a good one. This is from Chris. What would be a logical trade that you would make for the bills? It's got to make sense. Obviously salary cap wise, fill a need, all that kind of stuff. Is there anything you can think of? Yes. And this has not been a unique thought. I've thought about it. Others have thought about it. A logical trade for me would be to shed Ed Oliver's $10 million salary trade for a guy like Deandre Hopkins, rework his salary to around $10 million this year. It's a wash. I know he's what 30, 31 now, but I think he can still play. And I think that you could do it with basically the same money for this year and rework his contract. You're going to pay a little bit down the road. I get it. It's a little risky there. Maybe I don't know how the draft pick compensation, like I'm not, going to pretend I would know who would need more in the trade and how much, like I'm sure maybe Arizona would for something like that, like give an extra pick or something. But I think that would make sense. Yeah. For me, I'm also sticking with a wide receiver just because I like the additions they've made, but I don't think they should be completely done. I don't think this player is even available. I just love the idea of just making a phone call on Cooper cup because they're already clear in house over there at the Rams. Like I've heard they're taking calls on Stafford. Obviously they just traded Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner getting released. Like it feels like they are looking to the future. What's the mean for them tanking? Like everybody says like, you know, suck for this guy or tank for Tua, whatever. What it's Caleb Williams. I mean, I agree with you. I think they're tanking. He's playing in their own backyard, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like you don't win for Williams, maybe something like that. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the catchy phrase is. I'm sure they've probably got that figured out, but also the money, I I don't know how you make the money work. You can probably figure out something, but my goodness, wouldn't that be incredible if they could just add Cooper? Like, how do you stop an offense? That's got Stefan Diggs and Cooper cup and Josh Allen, you know, by the way, (laughs) that would be amazing. Um, 
I don't know, trade. There, there was another, uh, who else? At one point I thought, you know, could you pry Mike Evans away from Tampa? That would be something I could look into, but I agree with you that the Rams are doing that, but man, Cooper cup and Aaron Donald, I, I would think are almost untouchable. Right. But who knows if a team is tanking and you know, we'll see where they go. I think I saw three players. I think they, I think I saw a report that was like, they're listening to trades on everybody, but, and it was Aaron Donald's Cooper cup. And then there was a third one, but the third one wasn't Matthew Stafford. So I don't exactly remember who it was, but yeah, I mean, who the heck knows? All right. This one is from Scott. Do you see a Hopkins or Judy trade happening? Kind of feels natural to ask the Hopkins question after what we just talked about. Now the Jerry Judy stuff is interesting. Yeah. Because according to some of the reports out there, it looks like the Broncos are asking for a first round pick for Jerry Judy. I don't think that that means like you're absolutely not interested. I just wonder for the bills, is it worth trading a first round pick for a player who hasn't necessarily lived up to the expectations of where he was drafted for somebody who you really only have under an affordable contract for two seasons. You're basically trading a first round pick for two years of Jerry Judy. Well, one year and then a fifth year option, right? Not even did they pick up the, they don't even have, they can't pick up the fifth year option. He wasn't a first. Oh, he was, he was, he was a first round pick. He I think was, he was like the 15th overall or something like that. Yeah, uh, did they 15th overall? Good, good call. Did they pick up the fifth year option? I have to look on that because they would have had to by now I'm looking at over the cap and there's only listed for one more year, but your point is right. At some point you'd have to pay him anyway. Right. I mean, right. at some point soon you have to pay him. Um, yeah, I believe they did. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the point. So he's under contract. You could have him for two more years. That's fine. I think a I think a first round pick is a hefty price for him. I do. I think first round picks. I mean, you're getting a rookie on a four year rookie contract that can really help you somewhere. But I do love the idea of Jerry Judy in this offense. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I think that if it wasn't a first round pick, you would do the deal in a heartbeat. If it was a second round pick and something, then you're saying yes to that immediately. But you know, he's still a really young player. I mean, Jerry Judy is probably what. 24 years old, 25 years old. Let's look it up. Jerry Judy's 23, 23 years old. Yeah. This will be a year 24 years, age 24 season. This will be. Mm. So that's interesting. I mean, I really like the player. Just don't know if it's feasible. And then Deandre Hopkins is the other interesting one. No brainer, but I feel like every team is probably out there having a conversation of, Oh, we should add Deandre Hopkins. I see it with the Patriots all the time. I've seen it with, you know, the chiefs I've seen it with all these other teams. So yeah, I think it makes sense for any team that is willing to, or that can add that salary onto their contract into their salary cap. Got any more? Uh, I'm trying to find a good one to end on. Let's see. Did you get a good dad joke? That's from Peter. What's your best dad joke? I always have good dad jokes. I have actually a box that has good dad jokes, but I forget all the dad jokes that I say. I, we have a box. Max got me dad jokes for Christmas in a box. So like in the morning, I just pick one out and I say a good dad joke. And some of them are like tough to figure out, but then some are really funny. So no, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I always say something and Max goes, dad, that's a dad joke. You're gonna I'm going to have to get, that. I'm going to have to get better at dad jokes as we move along here. I mean, I'm not going to have to do it for years. I mean, she's seven days old right now. So I don't think I'm going to need to know any good dad jokes for like, six, seven, eight years, something like that. But I'll get there at some point. I'm, be, dad jokes fit my personality pretty well. Hey, you'll be fine. Um, all right. Let me ask you real quick. I love asking you a good Sabres question to wrap it up. Devin Levi's now finally signed. He's here. We don't have mm-hmm. anything to worry about. Um, what do you expect from him for the rest of the year? And what 
day, what game do you think he will make his debut? I was hoping maybe this week, my brother's coming in from Oregon. We're going to the game Friday night against the devils. I think that might be ambitious, but next week they do play the Canadians on Monday night at home. I think at the last episode of the podcast, I said you could maybe circle the Canadian. I think I said that because I was like, you don't want, I was like, I don't think you want to put him out there against a team that could possibly just like, I don't think you play. I don't think you play him on Friday. It, I th- I think it's Friday against the Devils or it's Monday against the Canadians. I don't think it's on Saturday against the Islanders just because there's still like, you know, a 2% chance that you make the playoffs and that's the team that you're going against on the road. I don't think you put them in that setting. The only thing about the Islanders is they're a really good team, but they're not, they're actually, they're not a really good team. They're a good team and it's not because of their offense. Right. I don't think the Islanders have the capability of putting up like five or six goals at any given night. So at the same time, like, listen, I think the whole, like, you got to protect them. You got to put them in the right situation. I think that's all overblown. I don't really think that matters, but I do think that you need to get acclimated with a new group. And I think that the Canadians make sense because it does give you some time to get acclimated. It's a game at home. Obviously there's the, his personal connection there to being from Quebec. And then, you know, it is still, it is, you know, there's enough time where you could get right. I, I bet he gets four games from here until the end of the year. That's my guess. And it is four or great, five games. It is a great story. I mean, would you worry that it's, it is his, it is his kind of hometown team. He grew up idolizing Carey price. You know, you, you know, it's a lot of pressure. They're like, Oh my God, my first games against the Canadians, right? Like it's like some kid growing up in Buffalo and he's this phenom and like, yeah, first game is going to be against the bills. Right. I mean, um, you know, it is something, it is a great story. I wonder how much of that would come into play, but I'm excited for him. I did not think he would play games in any sort of playoff race, but even if they're in a playoff race, he's going to play games. I think that's, uh, that's set now, no matter what, he's going to play games, no matter where they are in the standings. I don't know if he's going to be a good NHL goalie. And if he is, it's going to probably take a little bit of time, but he's going to be as good as what they've had. I mean, Craig Anderson is good. Like for his age, Craig Anderson has by far exceeded expectations, but I have been incredibly underwhelmed with Lucanen and with Comrie. And I think that is the biggest reason this is, you know, this is a little bit of a take. I think with average NHL goaltending, the Sabres would have been a playoff team this year, but they did not get average NHL goaltending almost at any point And the counter argument to that is, yeah, but the defense, like the defense is bad. We have not, this is the first podcast we've done since they played the Bruins on Sunday afternoon. If you flipped goalies in that game, the Sabres win the game. Like they, they did it like it's, and that's a backup goalie. That's not like saying he's Swing a it. very, very good backup goalie, but it's still a backup goalie. So I just, it's the biggest thing holding them back. Yeah. They make defensive mistakes, but good goalies cover those up. Like it, it happens every single game all the time. Even the best teams have defensive lapses, but they get away with it because their goalies make timely saves. The Sabres almost never get those timely saves. Ever. You just made me think about that game Sunday. I was there in the building, all those Bruins fans, 15 seconds in, 7 nothing. It was disgusting. I hated it. So let's talk about something more positive. I am headed out to the NFL League meetings, otherwise known as the owners' meetings, yeah. um, this weekend. They're in Phoenix, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, essentially. So, hey, maybe we'll do a pod from there. But a lot of stuff on the owners' yeah. uh, meetings table that they'll be discussing, including rules changes, Matt. So we'll get into mm-hmm. that maybe on the next episode. That sounds pretty good, buddy. Yeah, I'm sorry you drew the short straw and you have to go out to Arizona for the owners meetings. I would be joining you if I wasn't, you know, newly a father. The owners yes. meetings is a really the owners meetings is a really cool event to cover from a media standpoint. Yeah. Like, 
I love the owners meetings. Um, last year was Florida. It alternates Florida and Arizona every year, right? Back forth, back forth. That is correct. These do the ones in March. They do have a couple throughout the year, but the ones in March alternate, like you said, from Florida to Arizona. And sometimes they're in like Palm beach. Sometimes they're in Orlando, but usually generally only in Phoenix when they're in Arizona. So I'll be out there and uh, maybe I'll play around and, um, you know, think about you while I'm doing it, pal. I, I appreciate that. Uh, the nicest hotel I think I've ever seen was the owner's meetings last year. I can't think of what the name of the hotel was. You remember you were there. Oh, the one in Palm beach. Yeah. The one in what in Palm. Ah, what was yeah, it? Now I can't think of it. Oh, the breakers, the breakers. The breakers. Was the name of the wow. hotel. Listen, the one here in Arizona is called the Biltmore. Phoenix. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's also, I, by the way, I'm not staying at the Biltmore. No, I did not stay at the breakers <laughs> either. No, I, ch- I think I remember checking last year, just like out of curiosity, what a room would cost. There uh-huh. wasn't anything available during the owner's meetings, but I think yeah. I just checked like a random, like Monday and Tuesday. And it was several thousand dollars, several thousand dollars a night for just like the middle of the week. And I was just like, Oh my good. You, you get reminded of how big of a business and how much money the NFL has when you go to an event like that. Well, I'll be out there next week, so we'll talk to you and probably do a pod from the owners' meetings out in Arizona. All right, Matt, you have a great rest of your week. Go get some sleep again, pal, will you? I probably won't, but that's okay. You know, it's just that's just what happens right now. I wouldn't trade it for the world.